This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Welcome to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. This is your host, Tim Link, and I'm so glad you're joining us today. We've got a super fun, exciting show. You know, we don't have a lot of youth authors on the show with these great illustrations. But today I picked an exciting one. We're going to be talking to uh, author and illustrator Hannah E. Harrison about her latest book, Poopsie Gets Lost. So right up our alley. It's going to be fun. I want to talk to her a little bit about the book, the uh, illustrations, what it takes to be a a top-notch award-winning author illustrator. And uh, then we'll just have a lot of fun with the book. So everybody hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Take a bite out of your competition. Advertise your business with an ad in Pet Life Radio podcasts and radio shows. There is no other pet-related media that is as large and reaches more pet parents and pet lovers than Pet Life Radio. With over 7 million monthly listeners, Pet Life Radio podcasts are available on all major podcast platforms. And our live radio stream goes out to over 250 million subscribers on iHeartRadio, Odyssey, TuneIn, Stitcher, and other streaming apps. For more information on how you can advertise on the number one pet podcast and radio network, visit PetLifeRadio.com slash advertise today. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Joining me now is award-winning author and illustrator, Hannah E. Harrison. Hannah, welcome to the show. Oh, well, thank you so much for having me. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, well, we're excited, too. And I, and I love the book. Uh, the latest launch is uh, Poopsie Gets Lost. So tell us a little bit about who Poopsie is and how does Poopsie get lost and uh, sort of the background on the book without giving away all the good uh, good details. Right, sure. Uh, so Poopsie is a very pampered house cat. She's perfectly content staying at home in her little cat bed. But the narrator of the story finds this to be a bit boring. And so he, I'm just going to say the narrator's a he, it can be whoever. Uh, But the narrator, uh, you know, talks Poopsie into leaving the comfort of her home and going on an adventure in the jungle because he's bored. And so, of course, this is not her element. Poopsie is completely out of her element and things get a little hair raising for her. And she needs to figure out how to get herself back home again. Well, there you go. Now, I won't take offense to that, blaming the guy narrator for <laughs> getting the cat lost. I have, I will not take offense to that whatsoever. Oh, well, good. No. <laughs> so really, the, the narrator is whoever's reading the book. Whoever, so. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Whoever, whoever's in the mischief, that is who the narrator is. That's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. So then Poopsie, the house cat, gets lost in the jungle. Now, that's an exciting twist right there. So how do we get to the, the jungle scene and maybe what are some of the characters that uh, Poopsie runs into? Oh, okay. Yes. So, you know, the narrator convinces her to go out the cat door against, you know, the advisement of her humans. (laughs) But he claims he knows where the best fun is. And and Poopsie doesn't know how to read. So she's unable to see all of the danger signs, you know, on the gate going through the jungle. And so she gets out there and the narrator has all kinds of brilliant ideas about how to have fun. But unfortunately, his idea of fun is not so great for Poopsie. You know, he encourages her to swing on a vine. That's actually a snake. She encounters crocodile and tigers and all kinds of nefarious creatures out there, uh, much to her surprise. (laughs) 
that was the many fun things in the book, but you know, it, it, that was the fun part to me. I had to poke a little fun at that. In fact, you know, you, you've got this cute little white pampered house cat, bow ties, pink bow ties, you know, like I can just envision it now yeah. having cats. I know they're pampered because they won't have it any other way. <laughs> so, and then all of a sudden you've got the jungle scene. It's like, wait a minute. I, you know, I would expect Poopsie to, to walk out the cat door and there would be the normal backyard with raccoons and, and what have you, <laughs> or maybe Poopsie right. walks out the door and there's uh, New York city or, you know, right. a major metropolis. Something, and I'm giving you hints here. If you take any of these hints for the next uh, re- rendition <laughs> of the book, let me know. Ah, sequels. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> Always ask the editor for sequels. That's key number one. Oh, to write. That'd be nice. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, well, I had to pick the jungle for this one. I was trying to figure out where all of the scariest animals might be for our poor Poopsie because, you know, we have to make sure we keep it exciting. (laughs) Absolutely. So then how do you craft your book? You know, we'll go right into that. So, I mean, do you have uh, wake up in the middle of the night and you get great ideas for for characters and for plots? Or is it things that you've been, uh, you know, a giant portfolio of uh, things you want to write about and then you end up going uh, and putting them together? Or does your editor say, hey, here's what we need. We need a, a cat that gets lost in the jungle and, and goes on a great adventure. <laughs> oh, wow. No. You know, my ideas, they come from all different places. Each book has sort of had a different catalyst. But for Poopsie, it was actually pretty funny. My uh, daughters and I were hanging out one morning and they noticed that our cat Peppercorn was sort of lurking behind a potted palm plant in the corner of the room. And I chuckled and said, ah, Blobby in the jungle. Her name's Peppercorn, but we call her Blobby sometimes is her nickname right, because right. she likes to loaf around the house, right? <laughs> and anyway, I kind of liked the way that sounded, you know, and, and uh, the whole thing got me thinking what would happen if a pampered house cat suddenly found herself in the middle of the jungle. And the idea sort of went from there. So I don't know, once I kind of get an idea in my head, I like to think about it a little bit and just sort of daydream and And I feel like if it's a decent idea, it'll kind of stick with me and I can't really stop thinking about it. So I like to kind of mull things over for a little bit before I start writing, try to figure out a vague idea of where the plot's going to go. And then, you know, I don't really have a set process. I kind of just, you know, go with the flow when it comes to writing. But I'll usually start brainstorming on paper and just getting my ideas down. And I sort of have an advantage, I guess, being an author and an illustrator because I can sort of picture things in my head as I'm writing. And as I'm writing, I'm picturing things in my head. So it it kind of feeds each other. And I just, you know, I'll get that first draft down. I tend to sort of edit as I go, you know, keep reworking it a little bit. And then, you know, I'll I'll let my agent, Abigail Samoon at Red Fox Literary, take a look at what I've done. Usually I'll have sketches by that point and sort of have done a dummy. So a dummy is, is when you put the words and some sketches kind of together in the book, the picture book format. Um, and she'll get back to me with notes and they're usually amazing notes. They're always amazing notes, actually. Who am I kidding? (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, she'll give me some things to think about. And so we'll just go back and forth if we need to. And then when she feels like it's ready, we'll, we'll send it off to my editor and then she might have some thoughts too. So it's, it's really a collaborative effort and we just keep on working at it until it's the best that we think it can be. And it's just a whole lot of fun. Yeah, you know, and, and that's the thing for you know for the audience. I mean, that those that there are people obviously listening to the show that have uh, written books for the young readers, and some that are maybe thinking about it. And the process is really not any different than putting together a, a fiction or nonfiction book. I would say, uh, yeah. and the fact that there are you know ideas and concepts you got to noodle on, you got to put together a rough uh, uh, draft and synopsis behind it, and then you rework it and rework it till you get it to where you need it to be. 
Yeah, definitely. And I also like to do a lot of research if it calls for it. You know, I, I researched the animals to figure out if they would all live in this, you know, similar habitat and just what they look like and all of those things. So it's, it's a, a labor of love and it's a lot of fun and it's kind of a little bit of everything that goes into creating a picture book. Yeah, absolutely. Well, how would you compare the stories and putting together this book, Poopsie Gets Lost, compared to some of the other stuff you did, like, you know, Bears Awake and the Bernice books, et cetera? How would it compare? Yeah, how would it compare? Are the storylines very uh, similar in the format or is it totally different? Do your uh, fans uh, expect sort of uh, the same thing and do they give you grief if they don't? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) No, my fans don't give me grief. They're sweet. (laughs) (laughs) You're good. You love your editor. You love your publicist. Yeah. yeah. No, No, I I, I understand what you're asking. (laughs) You know, I think the common thread maybe throughout all of my stories is I like to combine humor and heart. Hopefully I I like those two things in a story. And then, you know, I tend to focus a little bit on human nature. I think things that we can kind of all identify with characters we can all identify with. You know, I like to have my characters sort of evolve by the end once they have figured out how to, you know, overcome the problems that are set up in the book and and things like that. Bears Awake was a little bit different because it was an alphabet story. And so that had, you know, a different format to it that was really fun to try to tell an entire story using just, you know, very few words um, in alphabetical order. <laughs> so that was a challenge, you know, and then picture books in general, they're, they're about 28 pages um, or 32 to 40 So there's, you know, a definite format for a picture book that you have to adhere to, which is a challenge too, um, to try to tell all of that story in a, in a short amount of space. But yeah, it's a, it's a lot of fun. I think character driven is probably the, the uniting theme in my, in my stories. Yeah, you know, and that's a very good point you bring up in the fact that, you know, for novices, again, they would say, okay, you know, you're talking about 28, 32 pages here. It should be pretty easy to put the the verbiage together, the wording and the the storyline. But it's not because I'm sure you have this great long idea of a story and then you've got to consolidate it down to 28, 30 pages. Yeah, that's very true. And that was something I didn't realize when I was first starting out was just how challenging it would be. You know, I, I wanted to do children's books ever since I was small myself. And that was always the dream. And when I graduated from college, I thought, you know, all right, well, this is going to be easy. You know, the illustrations, the hard part, the writing's going to be, you know, simple, right? And it turns out it's really not. <laughs> and you're absolutely right. Trying to fit all of that content into a brief amount of space is very challenging. And every single word has to count. You know, you have to get your point across very succinctly. And it is, it's, it's pretty tricky to do. And I also find it interesting your comment on research. You know, I think research is key for any book, but it's something that I write a lot of nonfiction. So obviously, uh, hopefully, I know what I'm talking about, or at least have done the research to, yeah. to to get it out there. But I, you know, I, t- I talk to uh, fiction authors, et cetera, and they're doing a little bit of research because they you know mess up a character or they add a character that shouldn't be there or a, a scenario in history that shouldn't mm-hmm. be there. You know, their fans and, and people will call them on it. And it's the same as what you had mentioned here. You know, you yeah. have to sort of match up. You know, you want this to be a great adventure, but yet it's got to be somewhat logical on the, right. the type of creatures he's going to be reaching. Yes, absolutely. You want imagination in there, but you also want it to be, you know, to make sense. <laughs> absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, you know, a lot of the research also is, uh, you know, figuring out what the animals actually look like. So I got to research rock crocodiles and pythons and cobras, you know, and tigers and all of these things. And it's just, you know, visually, it's important as well for the illustrations, uh, to me anyway, to have that extra bit of authenticity, I guess, you know, like that people believe like, okay, you know, these, these could really be tigers. (laughs) 
Yeah, absolutely. And as an illustrator, do you find it easy to uh, all of a sudden you think, okay, a tiger is good and you match it up with the storyline? So, yeah, that makes sense. Is it easy to draw a tiger or are there certain <laughs> characters you're like, mm, I bear not, I'm not so good at platypuses or something? That, right. you know, oh, or, I would love or, to play into platypuses. <laughs> <laughs> idea number four. <laughs> no, they are tricky. I remember, you know, especially when I painted my friend Maggie, you know, that one of the main characters is an elephant in that one. And so much of the story is told through the expression on the animals' faces and their body language and things like that. But an elephant is so hard because they have this big trunk, (laughs) you know, which covers up their mouth and they don't really have eyebrows, (laughs) you know, or like anything like that. They have these ears, you know, which you can be expressive with, but like having that big trunk there in front of her face was really a good challenge. But um, yeah, you know, it definitely helps with things like horses are really difficult. I had um, some horses in Extraordinary Jane and you know, figuring out how the muscles go and the way they move and all of those things. It doesn't come very easily for me sometimes until I have those references in front of me. And then I can kind of let my imagination work from there. But if I were to just, you know, draw a horse off the cuff, it would probably look a little wonky. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be much better than my horse. Trust me. And I had a problem (laughs) with that, but I love the fact that, you know, you have the kid, the illustrations are fabulous. I mean, just fantastic. Thank you. Yeah. And I love that, you know, you have to create not only you know, do an illustration that matches what, you know, I, I need to know a horse looks like a horse and a tiger looks like a tiger. <laughs> but more importantly to me, the special facial expressions that you're so great at in the eyes, uh, how you connect with them if they're going through uh, fear or trauma or kindness or love, whatever you're trying <laughs> right. to portray, you know, you hit that extremely well. I feel it with yeah. uh, in the eyes in particular. Mm, yes. Yeah. I love painting eyes. I just think that's where the soul is, you know, when you're looking at a face. And so um, I really try to get that, uh, you know, once I get the eyes figured out, I feel like the rest of the illustration sort of comes into place. So I'm, I'm happy you picked up on that. Yeah, absolutely. Without giving away the books, everybody has to go out and get a copy of the book and, <laughs> and definitely get it. I do have to say, I, in particular, I love the illustration where uh, Poopsie falls into the waterfall <laughs> and the pink ribbon falls off, but yes. what does she do with it? Well, I, I won't give the story away, but all of a sudden, uh, think of a samurai as sort of what I think, <laughs> you know, go. fearless samurai. Right, right. All right, everybody, hang tight. We're going to come back right after this commercial break, continue our conversation with uh, Hannah E. Harrison. i talk to her a little bit more about the book, Poopsie Gets Lost. I also want to talk to her a little bit about the illustrations and writing. Do they go hand in hand? Is, is one take uh, precedence over the other? Uh, does she stop in the middle of one and go to the other? So I want to get the information and the uh, answers from the master herself. So everybody uh, hang tight. We'll come back right after this commercial break. You're listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Sit. Stay. We'll be right back after a short pause. Well, four to be exact. Hey everyone, Michelle Fern here. You know, dogs are part of our family. They're just our fur babes. And we want them to feel comfortable and cozy and above all, make sure they're safe and protected. And that's how Diggs feels too. That's Diggs with two Gs. They're dedicated to improving the safety, happiness, health of your pets. And they have great, smart, stylish, super easy to use products. I love the Diggs Revel Collapsible Dog Crate. And it's not just a crate that you need when you're crate training your pooch. This crate is fabulous for your older dog. Dogs love having a little area they can go in and nest that's just their own. It's wonderful for traveling. If you're visiting,
visiting people this summer and you're taking your pooch, take the Revel with you. It's a great way to set up a little space for your dog inside the area that you're staying in where they feel comfortable and safe. And guess what? The Revel collapsible dog crate is a cinch to use. It's so convenient. You can literally raise it and collapse it with one hand. Very easy to clean and no injuries to paws or jaws. And if you're traveling in the air this summer, make sure you check out Dig's five-star passenger travel carrier. It's small enough to fit right under your airline seat and plenty of space for your pooch. Make your pets more comfortable with Dig's wonderful products. Go to digs.pet and use promo code PETLIFE15. That's D-I-G-G-S dot pet with promo code PETLIFE15 to get 15% off your entire order. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Welcome back to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Continuing our conversation with award-winning author and illustrator Hannah E. Harrison and her latest book, Poopsie Gets Lost. So, Hannah, when people pick up a copy of the book and whether they, you know, they're reading through it for themselves, they're sharing it with their children or grandchildren and the family, what do you hope they get out of it? Is there a main theme you're hoping that the uh, readers are, are pulling from this story and some of the other great books that you've written? Oh, that's a really good question. Well, Poopsie is essentially a book about discernment, I would say. You know, we live in a time when we're constantly bombarded with voices, kind of like the narrators telling us what we should need or do or think. And it seems to me that it's more important than ever to encourage discernment in our kids that they aren't persuaded down wrong paths. So I'm hoping that Poopsie will remind readers that it's good to reason for yourself and to stand firm like Poopsie does by the end. (laughs) I know that I personally can relate to Poopsie on so many levels. It's not even funny, you know, as I'm sure a lot of people can. I've listened to the wrong people, trusted in the wrong things, gone out of bounds, ignored my better instincts, caved to peer pressure, gotten lost, felt defeated, nearly drowned. You know, but the one good thing about those inevitable failures is that they point you back to the truth. And I think once you see the truth, it makes you a lot stronger. So I'm sure a lot of people will read Poopsie and interpret it as a book about listening to your gut and finding your inner strength. But for me personally, as a Christian, it's about how Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, and how you must cling to the truth of his word in order to not be led down the wrong path. Our strength is in him, actually. So this is symbolically represented by Poopsie's pink bow which she uses to get herself out of danger and back on the right path and home to where all the good things are. There you go. Good, yeah. good message. Good message behind Cause you know, <laughs> I want people to know that there are some means and messages that you want to get across. And I think you do an excellent job of that oh, thank for you. sure. So let's talk about the uh, writing and the illustration. First of all, do you write the storyline and put it in place and then start with the illustration parts of it? Or do you go with the illustration parts of it and then the writing of it? Or does it sort of go, you know, hand in hand, uh, (laughs) page by page? Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's a hard question because, my gosh, I was looking and I started writing Poopsie back in August of 2019, where when the first drafts of it were created. So it was a long time ago that I was working on this book. And, um, but, you know, I think, in general, I tend to sort of hop back and forth. So there's different levels of drawing that I do. So at the beginning, I'll do thumbnails. So a lot of the times, you know, when I'm mapping out the pages, I'll do these quick little thumbnail sketches that are just squiggles that probably don't mean much to anyone except for me. Like most people probably look at it and be like, that is a mess. I have no idea what that's supposed to look like. <laughs> um, but it's, it's kind of like just little mental notes for me to try to break it up into the right number of pages and kind of like get the story flowing the way that I want it to. And I'll at the same time, I'm also 
you know, probably have a rough draft down. So I know where the story's heading, but I'll do that and I'll kind of tweak things a little bit. Like I'll think about, you know, because something that a lot of people don't realize or think about anyway is that the illustrations actually tell half or even more of the story. So, you know, I don't need to describe in words something that you can see in the, the picture, you know, and the picture can also add this other level of, you know, meaning and emotion to the to the story itself independently from the the words. So a lot of it is just figuring out like, okay, what part am I going to write in words and what part am I going to, you know, demonstrate in the pictures? And there's this real kind of bouncing back and forth and tweaking and trying to keep it all in my head at the same time and figure out, you know, okay, I know the picture is going to, you know, carry this load. So maybe the text only needs to say, you know, this. So I'll do the thumbnail sketches. I'll, I'll tweak the manuscript several times and get it the way that I, I think is good. I'll figure out how it's going to be broken up. And then I'll do kind of like better sketches that, you know, maybe my agent will and editor will be able to understand, you know, so I don't spend a whole lot of time perfecting them. It's mostly just to convey the information. And at that point, I might go ahead and plop the text in, you know, using software, you know, to to combine the sketches and the, and the words. And so everything's just, you know, pencil sketches and words kind of mocked up together. And that's, you know, I'll show that, get feedback, tweak it again. You know, once we finalize the story itself, then I'll go ahead and do, you know, more finished drawings. And then we'll make sure that those are just right. You know, like maybe, you know, there's not enough room for the text. And so I'll have to tweak it. Or maybe, you know, the expression isn't quite right. Or, and I have to change it. You know, so we'll just do that a little bit. We might tweak the words a little bit more. And then once the drawings themselves are finalized, my art director will put the text in, get everything all spaced and sized the way that it, it needs to be for the format of the book. And then... Um, They'll send me printouts at actual size and I'll transfer those onto my illustration board using just transfer paper. And then I'll start painting. And my first books were with acrylic paint. And since then, my last few, including Poopsie, have been with gouache. And I'll just start painting to scale and get those all figured out. <laughs> and I'll scan them in as I go and, and show them to everybody on my, my team at the publisher and make sure everything's looking good. And so I'll just keep plugging away on them. I don't necessarily start in order or finish in order. I usually start somewhere in the middle and just kind of, you know, work on whatever painting I'm feeling inspired to work on in the moment. I'll usually finish one at a time though. I don't really bounce back and forth. I'll, I'll do one illustration from beginning to end. And then, yeah, did I answer your question? I'm sorry. No, I'm no, a bit. <laughs> no, that's, no, I think it's important. Uh, and I appreciate you answering that question because, you know, sarcastically, I was going to say, oh, is that all there is to it? That, that's <laughs> a lot. That's a lot of stuff. And I want to drive that point home because it takes a lot to write these books, you know, and, and you can't just you know, skip the middle. The whole storyline has to flow just right. The illustrations have to be spot on because there are people that will that'll be more connected with the illustrations than perhaps the words and vice versa. And as you said, they're paintings, you know, these are fantastic, but it's not just doodling on a page. It may start as doodling on a page with uh, or, or squiggly lines, as you mentioned. But uh, <laughs> by the time we get it all said and done, I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful little masterpiece. So uh, congratulations on that. Just a lot of fun. And it does. It takes, you know, it can be about eight months or a year even just doing the paintings themselves for, for each book. Even in spite of COVID-19 and all the things we had to go through, which sort of, imagine, put delays to the publishing date. But uh, just putting the whole thing together, you know, 18 months, two years to sort of yeah. just get it done and dusted. That's, that's yes, a lot for one little 30 page. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, we had, uh, you know, we went to distance learning. I have two daughters. Um, and so, you know, we're trying to balance that and trying to get this book done. And then my, you know, my editor, my art director and my agent all have kids. So they were all having to do distance <laughs> learning, too. 
So we have several extensions on this one. They don't normally take quite as long as this one did. And then, yeah, so it was, it was interesting, but it kept us busy. <laughs> so do your kids, do your kids say, you don't have that one done yet? Or are they appreciative <laughs> of the whole process? Oh, no, they know by now that it takes mommy a long time to, to get these done. And, and they're really they're good and they're fun to have around and they're good inspiration too. I actually realized that, you know, after the fact that Poopsie, especially on the cover, uh, her little face looks just like my daughter's, my youngest daughter's when she was a baby. And I didn't mean to do that. It just sort of happened. And I guess, I guess she's just that cute that she just, you know, ends up showing up in my illustrations. That's it. That's how you explain it to her. She's like, (laughs) mommy stole your face for Poopsie, but it's because you're so cute. So it works that well. (laughs) All right. Well, everybody go out and pick up a copy of the book. Uh, Once again, it's uh, Poopsie Gets Lost by Hannah E. Harrison. And Hannah, congratulations on the book. The illustrations are fantastic. So it's it's a nice thing when I interview authors who write a great storyline and put together such fantastic illustration and have the skill set to do both. So big kudos for you. Well, thank you so much. That's so nice of you to say. Absolutely. Well, we'll look forward to hearing from you again real soon. And uh, everybody, once again, go out, pick up a copy of Poopsie Gets Lost by Hannah E. Harrison. Hannah, thanks for coming on the show today. I appreciate it. Thanks a bunch. It was fun. All right. Well, we're coming to the end of the show today. I want to thank everyone for listening to Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. I want to thank the uh, producers and sponsors for making this show possible. If you want to find out more about the show, listen to other shows on Pet Life Radio, go to PetLifeRadio.com. It's a whole host of cornucopia of great animal entertainment. How you like that? It's at PetLifeRadio.com. <laughs> and while you're there, uh, you know, drop us a line. Uh, let us know who you want to hear from most. Give us some ideas of uh, the, uh, the books and the authors you want to hear from. And we'll be glad to uh, do our very best to get them on board. So until next time, write a great story about the animals in your life. And who knows, you may be the next guest on Animal Rights on Pet Life Radio. Have a great day. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.